Good morning. It's so good to be here, and I love that, I just love our worship team. I love that we can rely on them, and that there's just so many great leaders in our church, and they're awesome, and they make everything amazing. Um, Speaking of making everything look awesome and amazing, I want to thank our volunteers who showed up yesterday to help decorate the church. Will you join me in thanking them? Because they did a fantastic job. It looks wonderful, and it's very Christmassy, and I love it. So um, if you're interested and want to help decorate next year, contact me. It'll be awesome. It'll be super fun. Um, I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Did you all have a great Thanksgiving? Yes. Did you get to spend it with family? Yes. And friends, and you ate lots and lots of food and turkey, probably. Who eats ham? Does anybody eat ham? Oh, wow. That's a lot more people than I expected. Um, that's cool. That's cool. No, I get that. That's cool. But, um, cool. So, <laughs> this week isn't Advent yet. So, it's okay. If you don't have your Advent calendar up and you're like, wait, Christmas is closer than it is. It is closer than you think it is, but it's not as close as you thought it was if today was the first Sunday in Advent. So, that'll be next Sunday. But today, what I want to do is talk about what Advent is and talk about what it means for us as a church to observe Advent and to celebrate that. So um, there's the first slide. That's Advent. When you think of Advent, what are some words that come to mind? Go ahead, shout them out. Waiting. Nailed it. That's it. (laughs) Waiting. That's what it means. It means waiting. It means to wait or to anticipate. Um, And so when the church observes Advent— we observe this, this period of waiting, and it goes back thousands of years, this, this period of waiting and this, this, this posture that the church has taken, because 700 years before Christ was born, he was prophesied about, and the church started to wait. And then Jesus was born, and then his earthly ministry started, and he ascended to heaven, and now we as the church after Christ, have the opportunity to wait for him to return. So we have, we're in Advent, we're in waiting of his second coming. And so while the rest of society is caught up in the frantic rush and the, the busyness of the holiday season, trying to get shopping done and decorating and Christmas parties and all the other distractions, the church takes pause during Advent to slow down and to reflect on the gift of Jesus. Specifically, God's mercy shown in the gift of Jesus. So each week we'll focus on one of four main themes of Advent. And we have four candles over here to represent those four weeks. So each week we'll have somebody come up and they will read from Scripture and they'll help us to kind of posture our hearts to the theme of that week. So whether it's hope, peace, joy, or love, today we're going to be just talking about waiting and what it means for the church to wait in anticipation. So as we reflect on these themes each week, we enter into this journey that followers of God have traveled for thousands of years. This is an ancient tradition and an ancient uh, practice. That's not what I wanted to do on the iPad. This is confusing. The word Advent means arrival or coming or waiting. So when we observe Advent, we observe the first coming of Jesus. But like I said, as the church after Christ has ascended, we wait 
for his second coming. So put it short, Advent is an intentional time to pause, to rest and reflect on the gift that God has given humanity. So during these next few weeks, these next four weeks or so, we're going to be in a period of waiting. And as we come to service, we're going to be using language of anticipation and hope and, and waiting. So you're going to hear that a lot during these next four weeks, because while the rest of the world is busy getting ready for Christmas, the season of Advent invites Christians and the church to pause and slow down. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for a God who invites me to pause and slow down and not work myself to death. Amen? Amen. So this morning, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be looking at the story of Ahaz and Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 8. But before we get there, um, I want to give you some context as to who King Ahaz is and what his struggle is in this story. King Ahaz is the king of Judah, and this, uh, he was the king of Judah about 735 years before Christ was born. Uh, he found out that there were two other kings in the area that wanted to wage war on him. Never a good thing. And so he's fearful. He starts making all of these plans and these, these uh, preparations to defend himself and to, to defend his, his kingdom. But God speaks to Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah and says, you have nothing to fear. No, their, their plans aren't going to succeed. So you just have to wait and trust that I've got you under control and I've got the whole situation under control. So God says, don't fear, just trust me. And to prove to you that I've got you and to prove to you that I'm faithful and that you have nothing to worry about, King Ahaz was told to ask for a sign from God. This doesn't happen very often. God doesn't tell us to ask for a sign. He usually gives us a sign to prepare us for what's ahead. But this time, he wanted Ahaz to ask for anything. It could be as high as the heaven or as low as the depths of the sea. But Ahaz shows his lack of faith by not asking for a sign. And so God grows tired and says, okay, if you're not going to ask for a sign, I'm going to give you one anyway. And he says this in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Isaiah prophesied about the Messiah over 700 years before Jesus was born. And to put that into perspective for you, 735 years to be exact, that's 26 generations that had to wait in hopeful expectation that Jesus would come. That's 27 genera 26 generations of telling the next generation, of telling your children and their children and their children's children. They were living out what our church hopes to live out by telling the next generation, by passing on that hopeful story. So for 735 years, people had heard about the prophecy and had lived in hopeful expectation until finally Jesus was born. But I don't want to jump to that story just yet. We have, I have this tendency, and I think our society has this tendency to want to jump ahead to the end of the story, to read the end of the book, to know how it ends. 
And we, we live in a society of, of now. We're so used to getting things instantly. We want our Amazon package now, and we want our food now, and we want our TV shows to stream now, and our music now, and you can even order an Uber on your phone. You can order a brand new car to be delivered to your house on your phone, and you don't have to do anything. There's very little in our life that we have to wait for, which is why it's so important for the church to remember the, the meaning and the significance of Advent, because it draws us and it invites us to rest and slow down and to wait. So let's read from Isaiah chapter 8, starting at verse 11 today. Did I miss something? I did. Well, let me say this. <laughs> I skipped over that. Whoops. So again, going back to Ahaz, I'm sorry, this is going to be really choppy for the next like five minutes. So going back to Ahaz, he was fearful, he wanted to try to do things on his own, and he didn't want to trust God. But God said, you, do have, you have nothing to fear. But when we fear, we say, God, I don't trust you. I'm going to do this on my own. But I'm here to tell you that waiting in hopeful expectation on something that God says he will do is better than living in fear and trying to figure it out on our own. Because if we live in fear and try to figure it out on our own, we're going to be reaching for things that won't give us life, they won't give us joy, they won't give us the satisfaction that we desire. They won't bring us peace. And that's what I feel like a lot of us desire. Recently, I've been feeling that in my own heart, that we desire peace, that I, I long for peace. And everywhere that I look, the world just keeps falling short things that I reach for don't bring me peace. The only thing that brings me peace is God. And so that's, again, what Advent invites us to do. So Advent invites us to slow down and to rest and to wait. And so now we will read from Isaiah chapter 8, verse 11. The Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me. So Isaiah is having a prophetic vision here. And he warned not to walk in the way of this people, saying, don't call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. What they fear, nor be in dread. God does not give us a spirit of fear or dread, but he gives us a spirit of power, of authority, of freedom. We are not bound to the, the grip of fear. We are free in Christ. So he's calling us to free. I don't know what is going on here. Let me put this in my back pocket. He doesn't call us to a spirit, or doesn't give us a spirit of fear. He gives us a spirit of freedom. The people of that time were gossiping and, and, and spreading conspiracies that only caused the community to be divided. And when Isaiah said, God told me that we have nothing to fear, instead of receiving that and, and putting that in their heart, they said, no, we do have things to fear. Look at those two nations. They said that they're going to attack us. So we have to create plans for ourselves. We have to protect ourselves and defend ourselves. So there's all these conspiracies and all this gossip going around. Verse 13, but the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor is holy. So he says, don't fear anything. Him, the Lord of hosts, you should honor is holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. 
and he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel. So both houses of Israel here are the two nations that are coming to wage war on Judah. A trap and a snare to the, inher- to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So God is a sanctuary and a place of safety and refuge for those who trust in him, to those who wait patiently for what he's going to do. But he's a stone of offense for those who do not fear God and who put their plans in contrast and up against God's plans. I don't know about you. How many of you have ever made a plan and you know God had a plan for you, but you put yours up in, in, in the spotlight anyways? Did it work out? Probably not. No, it doesn't usually. So, so that's what he's saying here. He's going to be a stone of offense for those who do not fear the Lord, who do not wait patiently on him, and who try to make things better on their own. So moving forward to verse 17, Isaiah says, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. I will wait for the Lord who's hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. So hiding his face here, when God is hiding his face, he's not, he's not turning his back against these people. He's still fully aware of what's going on. But what Isaiah means when God is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, he's withholding this blessing of grace and peace. He's withholding the blessing where people can experience peace. And this isn't only for the people who turn their backs against God. This is for the entire community. So Isaiah, even though he's faithful in waiting and trusting in the Lord, he's still experiencing this lack of blessing. He's still experiencing a lack of peace. And so when he's withholding the blessing, he's not allowing his face to shine on them. And the word hope here is significant. When Isaiah says, therefore, I will hope in the Lord, he's not saying that I hope, I really hope, fingers crossed, God's going to come through with this because I'm going to look really bad if he doesn't. There's, there's nothing in the back of his mind that says God isn't going to follow through with this. It's like if we went outside tonight and the sun goes down and it gets really dark and it gets really cold and we say, well, I hope the sun comes up tomorrow. There's nothing, there's no fear that the sun won't rise in the morning. We know it's going to happen, but we just have to wait. We have to wait for it. It's in God's time that it will happen. So Isaiah says, I will hope in him, and he's saying, I trust God's timing. I trust God's promises, and he and his children will wait in hopeful expectation, and I love that scripture includes that little section. I love that it says that Isaiah and his children will wait in hopeful expectation. It's because because Isaiah's telling his kids, he has two sons, and he's showing them how to have a relationship with the Lord. He's showing them how to wait patiently for God and how to trust God in his timing and in his promises. And parents, I want to encourage you, let your children in on your spiritual life. Let them in on it. Show them how to pray. Teach them how to pray. Read the Bible with them. Ask them where they see God in their lives. And if, if they have a hard time doing that, show them and tell them where you've seen God in their life. Because they're not going to know, they're not going to have the lenses to see through if they don't know how to see through them. They're not going to know how to see God in their life if they've never been shown before. So, parents, let your children in on your spiritual life. 
help them. Verse 19, And when they say to you, Inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? So there are some in Judah that don't share in Isaiah's faithful trust in the Lord. These people were encouraging others to turn to the practices of divination where you would go and find somebody who was said to be able to contact the dead in order to obtain some insights or information as to what's going to happen in the future. And this is something that's strictly forbidden in the book of Leviticus and in the book of Deuteronomy, and Isaiah is fully aware of this. And he kind of pokes fun at it and sarcastically says, what good will the dead do? They're dead. Shouldn't you seek insight and information and answers from God who's alive? He's the one who protects you. He's the one who sustains you. You cannot discern the will of God by consulting the occult. So there seems to be a lot of chaos. We, we walk into this, this story where there's division, there's conspiracies, there's gossip, there's, there's all sorts of weird things happening. And Isaiah is in the midst of this. Yet in the midst of all of that, Isaiah says, I'm still going to trust God. I'm not going to fear because I know that God's promises stand. I know that they're true. He continues on to say that the people who don't trust in God will pass through the land. They'll wander aimlessly. They'll look for places and things that will satisfy them and bring them peace, but they're not going to find it. They'll be hungry and enraged. They'll curse their king and their God. And as they look around, they will see nothing but gloom and darkness. Now that seems to be like a pretty grim picture. But that's kind of what life is like when you aren't following God, when you're trying to do things on your own. I, at least for me, when I try to do things on my own, it always seems to turn out not quite how I planned it. It's not quite right. It doesn't quite hit the spot for me when I try to do things on my own. But when I trust in God's timing and his provision, I'm, at, I'm more at peace with the situation. Even though I have a plan, I can still submit my plan to the authority of the Lord. And if my plan falls through, so be it. I'm going to trust God. I feel way more at peace and I feel closer to God than I would if I tried it on my own. So Isaiah kind of leaves chapter 8 in a dark place with the people wandering aimlessly, searching and grumbling and cursing their God and their king. But chapter 9 brings some hope. Chapter 9, verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. And he's talking about the faithful who is in Israel, the ones who trust God. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea and the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. These are two northern kingdoms that in the past were conquered, but in the future will be glorified. So Zebulun and Naphtali were conquered before they were destroyed, and in the future they will be uh, lifted up and honored. And here we get to the prophecy the hope for those walking in darkness, that faithful remnant who waited patiently on the Lord. This is what they receive from Isaiah. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. 
You have multiplied the nations and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, and they are glad as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden, the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken off as in the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle that makes a chaotic noise and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. This is the prophecy of the coming Messiah. This is what they waited for. And this is what for 26 generations they had heard time and again. This is the hope that they were waiting for. The one who was promised by God to be a light in the darkness. A ruler who will bring peace instead of war. The Messiah who will bring salvation to those held captive and bring peace instead of war. This is the promise that Isaiah is waiting patiently for, and this is the mindset that we enter as we observe Advent as the church. This is the mindset and the posture that we we assume when we come to worship on Sunday mornings and we say, we're waiting on the Lord. We'll sing songs like, come thou long expected Jesus. We, We know that these words carry a lot of weight because they've been sung for hundreds of years. And the the feelings have been felt for thousands of years by Christians and by followers of God. This is the mindset we enter. Because in the midst of chaos and the hustle and the grind of trying to get parties planned and had the house cleaned and presents ordered and wrapped and the house decorated, but the yard needs to be tidied up before the guests come over. And so we need to do that. And the task list just kind of keeps getting bigger. And the stress just keeps piling up higher and higher like the dishes keep piling higher and higher and another thing on the task list because it's all too much to carry you don't ever you just don't even want to have people over at that point because there's still too much to do and it's not fun to celebrate when you're stressed and so you might as well just not have everybody come over and we'll just sit in silence and we'll just scroll on our phones and see that other people's lives are perfect because that's all they post on social media i'm sorry did i Their kids eat everything they give them and they don't complain and they smile for pictures. (laughs) People on social media have perfect lives, but here I am with a task list that'll never get done and anxiety that's through the roof. And so to combat that, I just scroll on social media and then I see more perfect people and then I turn on the news and I just see that the world is ending and people are violent and you shouldn't have people over at your house anyways because you're just gonna get sick. So, all of these things, and it it just, it creates so much anxiety. We feel like it's easier just to drown out the, the, the noise, to drown everything out that's in front of us, the important things, because it's easier than noticing what's in front of us. Does anybody else long to just slow down 
and just be at peace, to just dwell in the presence of the Lord, and to forget all of those things. Those things are important. They are. But they're not so important that you risk your, your mental health and your sanity and your family's relationships. They're not that important. We long for peace. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is the light that penetrates the thick darkness that prevented the world from the knowledge of God. That light continues to shine today. We see that in each other. We see that in our, our community. We see that in the way that lives are changed. We see that in baptisms. We see that in testimonies of God's faithfulness. We see that the light is still shining in those dark corners of the world. God is truly at work in our lives. And, and church, we read all of this. We read the stories. We read the prophecy with the posture of anticipation, because at this point, and for over 700 years after these words are spoken, there begins a period of waiting, a period of hoping and longing to see this prophecy come to life, this word of God come to fruition. They long to see this, the Messiah, the one who will usher in a time of peace. And I don't know about you, but I desperately need peace like 15 times a day, all the time. I'm just, I long for peace. There's so much pressure that we put on ourselves to perform and to put on a good face. I know personally, I, I don't like to share a lot of what's going on in my life because I have a great fear of being a burden to other people. And so I just don't want to unload all of my stuff on them. So I keep it to myself. I try to put on a good face. And I know a lot of you are in the same place. A lot of you hold on to things that you weren't intended to carry. And I want to encourage you, lay that down during this Advent season. Find a time where you can be at peace and just lay those burdens down. Unload them to Jesus. I know oftentimes we feel like the world is against us. We feel like everything that we do is just pushing against what we want to, to try to do. We, we want to read our Bibles more, but there's just not enough time in the day. We want to pray more, but then there's so much noise going on. You get distracted. Your mind wanders. The world seems to be pushing back against us, but we have somebody who's greater that's on our side. We serve God, and God is with us, and God is for us, and when we seek his peace, he will bring it to us. Because no amount of meditation apps or soft, quiet music or sensory deprivation tanks will bring us the peace that only comes with being in the presence of the Prince of Peace. We need to do this intentionally. We need to intentionally slow down and connect with God. So church, as we enter this Advent season, let us be challenged by the words of the prophet Isaiah, to slow down and to wait patiently on the Lord. If our worship team would come out, we're going to sing one last song. But before we do that, I want to challenge you. As we go home today, you might end up eating lunch. Hopefully you'll eat lunch. There might be a football game on that you'll watch. 
or other sports game. You might go shopping, might get groceries for the week, you might even sneak in some Christmas shopping if you have time. But I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you. Today, and for the rest of this Advent season that goes all the way until Christmas Eve, I want to challenge you to spend some time with God and just be, just be there. Put your phone away, put your your tablet away, the music, the podcast, turn it all off, and just sit in, in silence. It can be for a minute, two minutes, five minutes. But I want to challenge you to do that today. In the, in the middle of your busy day, just sit and let God minister to you. The peace of Christ come over you. And if you're willing to do that, are you willing to do one more thing? Yes? Yes. Cool. All right. Take out your phones. I know I just told you to put them away. <laughs> Take them out. Online community, I'm talking to you too. Take out your phone. Go find it. If you're watching on your phone, listen to this and then turn it off and go do what I'm telling you to do. Let's open our phone. Go to your clock app or your timer or whatever stopwatch. Alarms. Alarms is what I'm looking for. Go to your alarms. And then set an alarm that will repeat every single day. It will go off every day at the time of your choosing. You can choose what time works best for you or what's most inconvenient for you if you want to go that route. But set a timer and call it intentional pause. And when this goes off, I've got mine set for 1.56 p.m. and it'll go off every day. When this goes off and you see your phone say intentional pause, turn, turn the alarm off, put the phone down, close your eyes and just be, be in the presence of God. And if we'll do this, if we will intentionally pause for the next 30 or so days until Christmas, I promise you, you will experience the peace of Christ that you've never experienced before, and you will long for it. You will desire to be closer to God. And those things that you're carrying, that burden that you carry, it won't be as heavy anymore. And I hope that we do this. I hope that you'll take this challenge. I hope that every day it goes off. I hope that if it goes off today, you think of, of this message and you think of Isaiah waiting patiently on the Lord, knowing that in the midst of chaos, he was still faithful. He still trusted God. And I don't know what you're going through right now. You might be going through something really, really hard. Your life might be great. But whatever you're going through, pause and reflect. Don't make this a time where you can like Oh, I'm going to catch up on all the things that I didn't do earlier today. This is just a time to pause and reflect and rest in the peace of Christ. If you have children, we've got two little boys. We have Dax and Roman. They're three and one, three and a half, one and a half. They're very loud all the time. So I'm planning on four or five intentional pauses throughout the day. But this is great because you can teach your kids the importance of pausing and resting and dwelling in the presence of God. What might work out as like a killing two birds with one stone, you get some quiet time and you also get to be with God, but you're also teaching your children the importance of spending time with God. You're letting them in on your spiritual life. 
and you're helping them by telling the next generation how important it is to spend time with God. So we're gonna sing one last song together as we close. Church, don't get caught up in the gossip. Don't get caught up in the conspiracies. Trust God, trust his timing. Trust that he will provide for everything that you need. Pause, reflect, pray, and experience the peace that comes from spending intentional time with God each and every day. Let's pray and then we'll sing. Father, thank you for your message. Thank you for your word to us this morning, this encouragement that comes from spending time with you. Would you place it on our hearts to make this a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of worship for you, Lord, where we take a time out of our day to just be in your presence, to be ministered to by you. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for your word. I thank you for that challenge. Help us to grow together as one, as one who waits in hopeful anticipation for your coming and your glory. Bring us peace today, we pray, in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Hey church family, thank you so much for watching this video. We hope that God is inspiring you and working in your life. If so, make sure you send this video to a friend so that they can be impacted by the good news of the gospel as well. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss a single video. And as always, we hope that God is continuing to work and move in your life. Thanks again for watching. God bless.